0: To the JKR podcast today we have Cold Weather Bats co host and perfect game national cross checker and director of draft and JUCO content, Brian Sakowski, on the JKR podcast for the Baseball Business Series presented by Old Fort Baseball. Brian, no, I just met you here a couple days ago. Pumped to get you here on the JKR podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, man. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, it was a fun weekend in Bloomington. I'm sure we're going to talk about it. I always enjoy when I'm there. Um, my favorite place to go in the Big Ten, and I say that as a Michigan guy. So, you know, that's props as far as I'm concerned.
0: Okay. Being part of the Midwest, <laughs> is our Coffin Field the, the best Big Ten stadium? I've heard, I've heard it probably is.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't been to every single one of them, but like, you know, the ones that get the most pub or, or U of M's got a gorgeous field. It's in a great location. It's just not as big or it's not as fan-centric as the vibe I'm looking for. And a lot of the reason I think, Indiana slash Bart Kaufman is so cool is because the people care so much because there were huge crowds there all three days and and I know it was a big series but like you know usually the Midwest crowds aren't big until May when the weather's guaranteed to be gorgeous or whatever and Bart Kaufman was packed the vibe was really really cool and and I think that kind of elevates it above everywhere else.
0: Yeah, I show up Friday and, you know, I've been showing up occasionally throughout the season, you know, like you said, I mean, when it's when it's 35 degrees, like I, I'll maybe stay for an inning or two, if I know somebody's pitching, I'll stay and watch them pitch, but I'm not staying for the whole game, I show up Friday, and I know, I know Brecht was on the mound, but I'm like, holy crap, like this is, this is a lot of people here, and then you see you, I believe D1 Baseball was there as well, and and a couple other scouts that I saw too, but before we dig into baseball this weekend and everything with you within Perfect Game and Cold Weather Bats, I got one question I'd like to ask everybody to start off the podcast, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? You know, who exactly is Brian Sikowski?
1: Oh, geez. Brian Sikowski is a early 30s, early 30s. Let's make that make sure that gets in the record. Um, native Midwesterner. I'm from the Detroit area. I, moved, I lived, live in Cleveland now. I have been here for about a year and a half. Um, scouting is my full-time job I do in a lot of ways the same job that the dudes who work for teams do my stuff just gets published for everyone to read instead of like 17 people or whatever Um, you know I I have a coaching background got a couple of state championship rings behind me from uh, when I coached at St. Mary's in Michigan had a pretty good run there um, from 17 to 21 stepped away when I moved to Cleveland to uh, you know, move in with my fiance, the woman I'm going to marry. So as much as I love coaching and as much as I love St. Mary's, I, I love her more. So, uh, you know, that was an easy choice. But now it's it's fully focused on the uh, the scouting stuff. I've been with Perfect Game for about 10 years. I went to Central Michigan. I graduated with a degree in Who, who Cares? Um, you know, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Uh, I guess not a lot of people know that I, I play guitar kind of OK, but the, who, who cares, man? This is about the baseball. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Well, you kind of dig into it there, but you know, just more, you just expand out a little bit more going to central Michigan. I believe I was looking through your LinkedIn and saw something, you were a baseball, something within the baseball yeah. team. Like you mentioned, coach at St. Mary's as well. You know, as your playing career came to an end, take us through your baseball background when it comes to more of the management slash coaching side, side of the game.
1: Sure. Um, My high school baseball playing career ended at uh, geez, where were we? Madison Heights, Madison High School in 2008 in the regional championship game where we lost to Blissfield 2-1. to I'm not scarred by that at all or anything still. But anyways, my baseball career ended there. I wasn't very good at it. I was a much better football player. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, for my athletic career, baseball is the sport I liked better. So I went to Central Michigan as a regular student was there for a couple of years, took a coaching of baseball class that they offered through the physical science department. The head coach was Steve Jacks at the time. He also taught the class. Um, so kind of by virtue of that class, I kind of walked up to him one day and was like, coach, you know, how do I become you? Like as a guy who's not playing college baseball. And he invited me to come help the team. Uh, I was in an undergrad assistant role for a couple of seasons there. Um, mostly caught bullpens and helped the video guys, did a little bit of kind of everything, but uh, it was a really good experience in terms of like what college baseball looks like from the inside that uh, kind of propelled me into wanting to get really good at scouting because I thought maybe my in into making this coaching thing, my profession can be as a recruiter, as an evaluator, you, you know, get in that way. And that led me to perfect game. That led to, to kind of my passion of all things scouting um, I've never really wanted to work for a team um, so it's just kind of uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the the niche that I've carved out you know I get to have the national focus with um, with the draft and all that stuff and I, I get to know about and see all the all the best players from all of the country but I also get to to be regional with it and, and pay closest attention to the people like where I come from and, and guys who, who played like I did or whatever and, and you know stuff like that.
0: Okay. So, you know, shortly after your time there at Central Michigan, go to St. Mary's, they're, you know, not, they're not just the best baseball team in Michigan. I mean, I'm, I'm consistently seeing them, you know, across. I'm seeing their name when I'm looking at national rankings for high schools. Take us through, you know, what that experience was like and just that toughest transition going from, you know, a ball player to working for Central Michigan to actually becoming a coach and being that guy who some of these players are looking up to, you know, just take us through all that.
1: Yeah. It, the transition was easy for me because like I – I never had like deluded myself into believing I was going to play the game for a living or or really even like play it in college or anything like that. Um, so I knew that I wanted to be involved in coaching or be involved with baseball in some way. Like I went to college under the guise of like an athletic training degree so that I could still be around sports. Like that was the you know, that was the 18 year old message in my head or whatever. Um, but yeah, the transition was smooth. Like I knew I was going to impact the game far more off the field than I ever did on it. Uh, so that was, uh, I was coaching as soon as two years after I graduated from high school. I was coaching the JV team at my old high school. Um, jumped right into it, enjoyed it right away. So but f- went back to school, finished that, did a couple part-time years with Perfect Game. They hired me full-time. Right around the time, I, I took an assistant job at my alma mater on the varsity team, um, Gabriel Richard in, in Riverview, Michigan. Coached there for a couple of years. Got to know Matt Petrie, the head coach at St. Mary's via Perfect Game, via him coaching summer teams uh, in our tournaments and stuff of Michigan kids. And um, from that, he had an opening on his coaching staff and invited me to come out there to work with his hitters. And uh, we had some really good players in our time there. They still have really good players. I think they're on the 75-game winning streak or something like that. And um, It was a I, – I had the time of my life. I, I can't say enough positive things about it, but it's – It's awful easy, man. It's awful easy when you can write out a lineup card and one through nine plus your next four pitchers plus some dudes on the bench are all going to go play baseball at a D1 school. That makes it. I know that's not the typical coaching experience is what I'm saying, Um, but I had a great time with it. We had an incredible culture there. Uh, The winning was not brought about just by talent alone. Um, it, It was very much a a program from the top down and, and Matt Petrie is the best high school baseball coach in the world, in my opinion. Uh, and it's the results speak for themselves, but uh, I had a great time there and had very, very little to do with how good they were.
0: Okay. So you go ahead and you start at perfect game. You say part-time there for a couple of years, you know, initially, where does that connection come into play? How do you get connected with perfect game?
1: Dude, it, it was seriously as simple as like, I saw an, I saw an ad on Twitter. Like I was in my last year of college. Um, knew I wasn't interested in using my degree or like going to grad school I was really really interested in scouting I'd been blogging about minor league prospects for a year or so like kind of thought I knew what I was talking about I actually had no idea but but was kind of in that realm was interested in the, in the the process of it this the scouting part of it whatever and so it was simple as like perfect game is hiring part-time scouts some great summer job like college students encouraged to apply like some something whatever a tweet. And I clicked on it, and it was—it looked like something that that I would be interested in doing at the very least, even though I didn't really quite understand it at the time. But uh, got latched on with them. Um, spent the summer, spent a couple summers uh, doing part-time stuff, going to tournaments all around the country, and, and uh, we call it pounding pad. Uh, you're keeping the game changer behind the plate, and recording all the velocities, and taking some notes, and. and your first real foray into sitting behind the plate for 15 hours a day, watching baseball. Some of it good, most of it not. Um, you, you know, and, and from there it was, it was like, I could see myself in this world. Uh, once I graduated from school, it was, it was a big push to like, Hey, I, I don't want to do anything else. I kind of wore PG down eventually into hiring me. And, and now we are, here we are that eight or nine years later, or however long it's been since that
0: point. Okay. Bible. So you said, you said there, you know, at the beginning, you thought you knew what you were talking about, but in reality that you didn't, you know, when you first come into play, you know, what is that evaluation knowledge that you have, you know, already doing that blog on minor league ball players? Mm-hmm. How like just, just that start was for maybe those first couple of weeks where you notice, okay, you know, I need to get a little bit better at this. Take us through, you know, just your, your evaluation skill evolving here yeah. you know, from that beginning to where you're at now. So
1: I, I walked into trying to scout for the first time in my life like at a west michigan whitecaps game or whatever and the only way i could go about approaching it was from the coaching background so all i did was like look at mechanics that was the only thing i could think to do was like you know i, I didn't have any clue as to pitch shape or, or or you know like i knew how to identify pitches but i had no clue how they worked together and blah blah blah, blah, blah. and it just it wasn't i didn't have a scout brain yet but I just kind of looked at it from a coach perspective, like, all right, if this dude who gave up seven runs tonight, if I'm responsible for making sure his next start goes better, is there something mechanical I would point to or whatever? And and same thing with hitters, blah, 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 blah. Um, You know, and, and that was with minor leaguers though. So then flash forward, here I am walking out to my first day with a radar gun that says PG on it, you know, and an iPad and whatever. And it's 15 year olds, totally lost. No clue. What's good what's a good 15, 15 year old baseball player look like? I have no idea whatsoever. So it, it was just a, it's a trial by fire, man. It's immersion therapy. That's the only way to put it. Like people ask me all the time. I get DMS all the time. Like, Hey man, like how do you get started in scouting? And I was like, are you ready to spend thousands of hours at a ballpark for minimum wage? Like, and, and, and I'm sure there's other, there's better ways to do it, but like, that's the only way I could do it. So it, it's, I don't know another way to tell people, but um, so it, it, once I kind of got a feel for high school players and and with perfect game, I I was really lucky to be able to see really good players from all across the country. And there are different types of players, depending on where you are in the country. Um, That is a thing and and getting kind of that feel for that and seeing what elite looked like versus what I thought was good versus what is actually good versus the, the, the trick, I guess, is finding average. It's once you have a really good knowledge of like what average is at any level then you can get better at, at deciding what's good what's bad what's projectable what's not um, that's my biggest like one liner of advice like find average and then you know it's easy <laughs> enough to go up and down from there
0: <laughs> okay so you know you go through those couple years as a part-time scout you know you, you get perfect game to hire you on full-time <laughs> how is your role um just changing how's it evolved here these past 10 years from, from going part-time full-time To where you're at now, traveling the country. Just take us through that whole evolution as well.
1: It's been like a hundred percent correlated with perfect games growth. Um, when I was hired full-time, I was hired as the third full-time scout of the staff. And that was it. There was three of us or four of us, excuse me. That was it. There was no like deep underlying web of a root system of scouts branching off into everywhere like we have now. It was. There were four of us who drew a biweekly paycheck to be scouts for Perfect Game. And we had part-timers. I was one of them. You know, I just come from that pool. We had, we had part-timers who do event stuff in the summer. But it was 250 days a year on the road, you know, with with 100 flights or something like that. Anytime there was an event anywhere in the country, one or two of us, four, had to be there. because Someone had to scout it. So there was no like, no, I don't have to go to that because we have a guy there already. They don't need two like we were the guys. So uh, that was uh, um, an immediate lesson in how to travel professionally and how to deal with uh, mental breakdowns on a regular level. But you know, (laughs) so the, the way the roles expanded is is like I said, directly correlated with how PGs expanded. So you know, like as time has gone on and, and I've been around and I've gotten tenure and I've gotten better at things and, and I've grown things and blah, 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 blah. We've been able to, as a company, add more people. And so now being able to be in a leadership role and, and have a, a big staff of scouts underneath us, um, underneath sounds bad, but you know what I mean? Like area guys, we have in different parts of the country and, and the coverage is as good as it's ever been. It's as in depth as it's ever been. And, and uh, I take a lot of pride in you know, being one of the people who used to do it with three of us and now we have 30 something and like really just enjoying how that looks. Um, but the role has been. I've been doing the draft since 2016. I've been doing the JUCO since 2016. Um, that's stayed the same. It's taken on different looks. It's it's taken on uh, new people helping with it and expanded, you know, blah, blah, blah. blah. But uh, that part hasn't changed. Um, the only thing that the, the biggest change I would say is now I don't have to fly to Florida three times a month to cover showcases down there. We have dudes in Florida. So that's allowed me to then get better at being regional and getting to know the players in, in this general part of the country.
0: Yeah. So with all these different people that you guys are adding to that perfect game organization, what type of relationships have you built? You know, I, Darren Sutton comes to mind, a lot of other different people within the perfect game organization. What are some of those relationships that you've built here these past, you know, eight, nine ten years as as perfect games has you know, has grown
1: innumerable man like it, it's the the baseball um subculture network or whatever man it, it it's an unbelievable thing um it's an unbelievable rumor mill uh, as you know it's a lot like just a gossipy office in a lot of ways, but um the n- the contacts man like i i do pride myself on being a good networker uh, you know like i pride myself on on being um someone who's friendly enough to make relationships and, and, you know, vice versa. And, and I've done a really good job of obviously not like burning sources over the years. So that makes it a little easier too, but the, the relationships I value the most are with the dudes who, who are coaching are the guys on the field who are out recruiting, they're away from their families, they're grinding, they're trying to find players. And then they're going home and working with those guys for 12, 15, 14 hours a day or whatever it is. And um, those are the ones I value the most. Uh, And there's any number of them, you know, I could rattle off just as far as like guys who have impacted me in a positive way. And and I'll just Derek Simmons at Indiana is one of my very best friends. So he uh, that's a guy whose relationship I I cherish above a lot of others. And I'll just, you know, use the Indiana tie in there. He's a, he was the volunteer assistant at central Michigan when I was the undergrad assistant there. So like we go back a long, long time. And he's been uh, been very, very instrumental in, in, in a, in a mentor role in a lot of ways throughout the course of my career. But just to give you an idea, we could go on, but, um, the, the coach relationships, man, they, they mean the world to me.
0: Okay. So with you being a, with you, you know, covering draft and covering JUCO when it comes to high school there at first, let's dig into that. How much are you involved on the high school level? Like, are you traveling down to the big PG events when it comes to WWBA? I believe PG's also with Hoover Mm-hmm. um are you traveling to those big time events when it comes to high school level and then we'll go ahead dig into college and juco as well but start off with high school
1: yeah oh yeah uh, anything major that's 16 or 17 you you'll find me there for the most part um like I, for example i have a 17-day road trip in july because we stacked up like 17 you elite in hoover with pg national and phoenix with wwa in georgia so like yeah oh yeah i'll see you there but uh, at 16U is a little less so. I'm at like every major 17U event, 16U it's it's most. Um, I won't go to Junior National, but I will be at the 16U Elite and WWA and, and, and things like that. And then obviously Jupiter in the fall. So I see more high school baseball in travel ball, but that's just a byproduct of my job. Like, of course I'm going to. Um, but in the spring, you know, that's when I get to kind of, it's draft-focused, you know? Like, I for example, I, on my way home from Bloomington, I stopped and saw A.J. Ewing yesterday uh, in Ohio. And I I didn't go to that game to see Springboro High School against uh, whoever they were, Fairmont High School. I went to to see A.J. Ewing, you know? And that's fine, but uh, the point being, like, that's how I start to get these relationships with guys is more so from the summer ball stuff. And then that that feeds into high school ball because I'm really not seeing them – play for their high school team until they're juniors and seniors most of the time.
0: Okay. So at that high school level, you know, you mentioned PG All American game. That's something big that, you know, all the top players in this year it's gonna be the 2024 class are going to in the summer. But another thing that we kind of talked about before we started recording was the PG All Star game that you guys have added to your guys' summer schedule. Take us through, especially with you being one of those guys at the top, what those decisions or the decision making process of putting this whole all-star game together and the benefits for some of these ball players that'll be invited here this summer.
1: Sure. Um, I'm going to have more pump with the regular all-american game than I will the all-star game just because I'm not going to have any history with 26s and just a couple weeks worth with 25s by that point but anyways point being um, the all-star game I don't think we're doing it strictly 2025s versus 2026s I could be misquoted on that apologies if I'm wrong Um, I think we're bringing a group of 25s and 26s and splitting them into even teams and they're going to play each other. I think it will be mostly 25s with, with some 26s. I don't think it's a even split, but either way, it's look at it like it's the all American game for twenty twenty fives and twenty twenty sixes. that's what it is. We're putting it at chase field, like obviously a dope big league park. We're doing it the same week as the all American game. It's two days before in fact, or whatever it is. Um, So yeah, we're going to, Go through Junior National uh, in a couple months in, in East Cobb, and and we'll pick a bunch of players from there. Um, the tournaments this summer will obviously play a predominant role. The 2026 like freshman national or sophomore national showcase, I believe it's called. That's obviously going to play a big role for the 2026 guys. But it's if you're a player out there watching this and you're in that class, look at it. it it's it's your All American game now. That's what this is like. It's going to be that level of of big deal. Is is kind of what I'm saying. Um, we've had the 14U and 13U select festivals for a long time. We've had the PG All American game for even longer than that. Now there's one in the middle, and that's 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 what it is.
0: Okay. Actually, I was talking to a parent yesterday, and that they used that same exact analogy to be the the uh, event that you know brings the select fest to the All American game. Be that event there in the middle. Yep. Um, but let's go ahead. Well, actually, you mentioned 17 game, 17 day road trip coming up here in July. You talk about being a professional traveler. What does that look like? <laughs> you know, you going through those first couple of years, learning how to do that. You know, that's kind of the stage I'm in right now. You know, I went on a random weekend to Memphis, eight hour drive the other day. And, then you know, this summer got all these different events I want to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your, I guess your advice, you know, be, trying to be a professional traveler and just what that looks like.
1: Um, my advice is probably a little bit unorthodox. Drive when you can. You don't want to get stranded anywhere without a car, like ever and if you're going to fly and rent a car, that gets expensive. Like, that's my – if you can stand driving eight hours, do it. Like, don't fly. Like, if I can fly – if I can drive to Atlanta every time, no problem. Uh, I'm not going to do that to Florida or Texas or anything like that. But if it's if it's within eight or ten hours, I'll just get in the car. That's okay. Um, but, yeah, man, it, it's <laughs> – get be brand loyal because the rewards are pretty good. Um, like, Delta and Marriott, every scout will tell you, or a lot of guys are Southwest and Marriott, whatever it is. Uh, national Rental Car, like those are mine. I'm a I'm a brand loyal guy when it comes to traveling because I like the rewards. But it it's that first year of it, man. That like immersion in it, like I'd taken flights before, but I'd never taken four in a week before. You know, um, it's exhausting in, in a lot of ways. It's it's more exhausting than your actual being at your actual destination and working. Yeah. Um. So I the best advice I can give you is like the six a.m. flight is not worth it. It just isn't. Take the take the three p.m. flight, man. Like especially if it's a ridiculous airport, uh, or you're an hour away from it, or anything like that. The six a.m. flight, it's not. You're not gonna feel good about it when it's twelve thirty, and you're looking to finally get a couple hours of sleep, and you're worried that your alarm is not gonna wake you up at three thirty so you can get it. It's not worth it. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> and uh, some people have opinions on this. I don't. It doesn't matter which hotel floor you get put on. I don't care at all. I've heard some strong opinions on that.
0: <laughs>
1: I've it's like never, never once thought that it mattered. So
0: yeah. <laughs> I've never even—I guess heard. I've never even heard that complaint before.
1: People are like, "You need to be on the top floor because, like, the elevator will go there the least." And I'm like, "I don't hear the elevator even when I'm right next to it. So why would it matter?" I've <laughs> I've gotten into this argument with people before. Who, who on earth cares? But you know. <laughs>
0: No, I, I'm a, I'm a big drive guy I well like I said you know drove to Memphis I actually one time drove straight from uh Fort Worth straight to Fayetteville straight to Bloomington and straight to I actually live on the Michigan Indiana line basically
1: uh, okay.
0: north of Fort Wayne so that yeah. was I believe 20, 21 hours straight I mean I, had, <laughs> I my roommate was there with me and we were just pounding coffees left and right but um, I'm, a, I'm a big drive guy I'll be driving to East I'll be driving to East Cobb this summer. Yep. Uh, might be might be flying to the other event that I'm going to, but uh no, I, I'm I'm a big drive guy. So you yeah. know I guess there's some good news for me. But um, <laughs> let's go ahead and dig into the actual college side of things. Mm-hmm. First, first topic to first topic to bring up thoughts on this weekend. Like you said, we met here in Bloomington. Uh just take us through this weekend and what your thoughts were on some of those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I was really impressed by Indiana. I, I obviously I they won two or three from I have to imagine the best starting pitching staff in the Big Ten. Maybe Maryland has something to say about that. But regardless, like, uh, Indiana won in ways that maybe they're not used to. I I know that that's a very, very talented offense. They're used to outslugging people. The pitching has been better this year. So, therefore, they don't have to win games 25 to 21 this year like they did last year. Point being, Brody Brecht was unreal. And Indiana really didn't, like, get eviscerated by him if you really break it down. Like, the out-of-zone chase was not outside of average. Like, the chase in general was not outside of average. Brett just threw more strikes than he ever has in his life, and sometimes you're going to swing and miss at 70 great sliders. So I thought that the approach there was good. I also thought that it was a really brilliant strategy to kind of sneaky punt Friday night. You know, you get one time through the order with Siler, and that, like, that guy's never going to go six. So, like, it's kind of a let's get one time through and see where we're at. And Brecht throwing like that, and you're like, okay, well, all right, maybe maybe we're not going to take this one, but now we save Kraft, we save Yoho, we save uh, all the the dudes in the back of the bullpen they trust the most, you're saving Reisdorf. And now you can go into Saturday and Sunday thinking we're going to get a good start from Sennard, and then we can lock it down. And then uh, even going into Sunday, okay, maybe Seti doesn't go super long into the game. But Yoho hasn't pitched yet, so here you go. You know, I just thought it was really, really good strategy once they kind of saw what Brecht looked like on Friday night. Um, But then timely hitting, good athleticism. Uh, Josh Pine concerned me at third base on Friday and then played it like a big leaguer on Sunday. So that I think he finished that on a high note. Um, Just it's a well-rounded team. And, like, for as good as they are, man, they're going to lose Philip Glasser, and that's it? Way,
0: Wayland,
1: Wayland, and Wayland. Okay, for for next that my points point stands like. They're protect, lose I mean, if, guys. if Pine
0: comes out and has a great, yeah, month and yeah, half and potentially Pine, but and Matheson's technically
1: eligible too. But you oh, know, like is, is, I, I thought he was, a, yeah. I thought he
0: was a twenty-four for sure. Pr-
1: I think he's eligible. This okay. year. don't. I may be wrong. I'm willing to be wrong, but okay. I I don't know um, personally.
0: Yeah. I just I just I just assumed he was a twenty-four. I knew Pine was twenty-three, but
1: but yeah, um, I, it's just they're gonna bring in. Uh, they're going to bring in a really good recruiting class in 23 with these dudes who have taken steps forward and with pitching, that's going to come back like the good kind that's going to come back. You know, Sonard's coming back. Foley's coming back. Rise coming back. Craft's coming back. You know, all these dudes. Uh, so I just think it's, yeah. if we're thinking Indiana a regional team this year, maybe they're the big 10 champion. Maybe they're not, but it's, it's like that kind of caliber of a team. The next year I'm thinking like have to go to a super regional at least. You know what I mean? Like that level of expectation. It really could be that good.
0: All right. Love to hear that from my senior year. I mean, potentially yeah. some transfers we bring in as well. Who yeah. knows? And um, they did
1: well in the portal this last year. Like they kind of proved they can do they can go that route too.
0: What about Wiggins? Do you think Wiggins ends up in Bloomington or you ends up you think he ends up in a in a big league team somewhere?
1: I'm going to I don't know this with any sort of fact, but I'm going to say I think he goes to school. I think he'll be in Bloomington.
0: Okay. I'm hoping so too. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, so you name drop you you name drop Connor Foley, you name drop Braden Reisdorf there. Like I said, those are my guys. I'm pretty close with them. Mm-hmm. You know, watching them pitch, you know, like you said, Foley hit ninety-eight. I saw that tweet that you put out Reisdorf close for us Sunday. Um, I believe they're both actually pitching here tonight. That's where I'm uh, heading off to here after we get off with the with the interview. But uh, you know, what were your thoughts on Foley? What were your thoughts on Reisdorf? Foley
1: is, I mean, that's a real, real heater, man. Like, that's a real fastball. I was strategically sitting directly behind the Iowa Trackman guy. So, you know, um, he had a 99, by the way, if you want to claim that, okay. Connor, 99 on the Iowa Trackman, man. But, uh, yeah, man, it's a real fastball. It's got rise. I know he gave up that tank, but he also had two whiffs on the fastball immediately preceding it to the same guy and just kind of missed his spot a little bit. So I think that's going to be like an elite swing and miss pitch for him when he can really command it at the top of the zone. rest of the stuff's got to come on. We know that. Like breaking ball's got to get firmer, um, got to have better command just in general. But it's a real, real fastball, like top of the scale potential fastball that uh, whether he ends up starting or relieving whatever it is, that's going to be it for him, I think. And yeah. it's really good. Um, Reisdorf, a little different, as we know. Two fastball guy. Um, I thought the two-seamer – was a little bit better than the four-seamer, but I thought they were both good, if that matters. it's He's big and physical, and then I think he's maybe throwing more strikes than I expected him to this spring. Like, I figured a dude with that level of arm talent who's that good is going to have a role as a freshman. I just think, like, even the coaching staff is like, well, we're going to trust this guy more and more. He keeps going out there and throwing strikes. So, like, um he looked good, too. I think those are two guys that, like, You know, you can project out the Hoosier rotation next year however you want. It's probably going to have Sonard and Kraft in it. Like, I I don't know beyond that. But the point being, whether those guys are in a rotation, whether they're in the back end of the bullpen, whether they're in the midweek against tough RPI teams, whatever it is, like, those are two dudes who are going to have big, big roles the next year or two in in Bloomington. And and that was – and Rysdorf was a late ad. Guy was going to go Juco. So really good recruiting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really good recruiting. Really
0: I I, have, I knew Braden before he committed here when he was committed to Parkland because he, his high school actually played my high school every year. Like we, okay. we didn't, we knew of each other, didn't really know each other. But then when he committed, like it was like football season, like you said, like late ad, yeah. like it was football season. Everyone else had already, you know, committed. It was only probably a couple of weeks before signing day, if I remember right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I texted him right away. I was like, Hey man, congrats. At that point, I didn't realize he was going to be like one of our top guys in the class. Yeah. All right, so another guy you got to watch there at Bart Kaufman Field this year, this this past weekend, big name guy there, Brody Breck. Absolutely, like you mentioned, tore it up on Friday night. You just take us through his, his his outing, what that kind of looked like, and just your thoughts were were on him.
1: So like, I'll, you know, I've been doing this a while, uh, the, the evaluating thing, and like, I when I was younger, I didn't know the scale and and was a little too aggressive with numbers I put on guys, and then you learn that, blah 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 blah. But after Breck threw, man, I texted like you know, the the other PG guys I have in a group chat, and I was like, that's the first time I've ever written 80 comfortably twice on a card. Like, he's going to have an 80 fastball and 80 slider. Like, he just – it's probably sevens now. Uh, He was 97, 98 in the seventh inning, and his last pitch was a 90-mile-an-hour slider for a strikeout. So, it's – the thing, though, is we can say that all we want. It's like 30 fastball command, maybe, like 35 if you like it. That was, his best fa- that was his best command day, like, by far, and he walked four and threw, like, 50% strikes. So, you know, had to pitch off his slider a bunch, which is not a bad thing when you throw a slider like that, but he was behind 2-0 in a lot of counts and then had to just throw sliders to get out of it and credit Indiana for working him as much as they could because when you're getting a barrage of 88, 89, 90-mile-an-hour sliders like that, I-, I get it. But the point being, I think he's, like, got as much upside as anybody I've maybe ever scouted as a pitcher on the amateur side. Like it's like him and Hunter green in my head for, for guys who are like blow me away um, with how good I think they might be. And, and Hunter green's really good. I, I, I still might've been a little too high there on it, but he's really, really good. Uh, but the point being, man, like I, <laughs> Brody Breck could either be like the best pitcher in ML in the MLB or, like a five ERA reliever because of the fastball command. I don't know. It's the variance is huge. It's anywhere in between, but he is as talented uh, as anybody I've seen. And the developments that he's undergone from his senior year in high school to freshman year at Iowa, from freshman year at Iowa to now are encouraging enough to the point where like you could see another big jump coming. And if that big jump comes, we're going to be talking about him next year. Like we talked about schemes this year. So.
0: It's he is he a twenty three or twenty four draft guy? Breck twenty four. Oh shoot! Okay, I didn't realize that. All right. well I guess, you got him
1: for a whole other year, buddy. Man, I guess I guess I guess next
0: year I'm gonna go to another Friday night game and just watch IU get shut (laughs) Uh, up so when it comes to beyond you know this weekend weekends prior let's dig through your spring schedule a little bit like Mm -hmm. we did your summer you know what are some of those main places you're trying to hit like are you staying in the ohio pennsylvania indiana michigan area what does that look like you know what are your goals as you go and try to scout as many kids as possible throughout the spring uh my spring starts
1: every year in panama city beach at our big juco classic Uh, this was our second year of doing it and it's really really cool 16 of the best jukegos in the country kind of kick their seasons off down there and that kind of kicks my season off too um then i you know there's there's pg indoor showcases all through the midwest throughout the course of of february and and march and i'm at a lot of those it's kind of my my neck of the woods and um the sort of unofficial deal i have with with pg is i'll do a bunch of showcases in february and march if you leave me alone in april and may and you know, we've kind of agreed to that. So uh April and May is when I really start, eh, I shouldn't say that, mid-March is really when I really start hitting the road with with college and high school. And the goal is to see as many good players as possible across several different tiers. There's like, I need to go see good college matchups that are for the benefit of our college baseball coverage more so than they are draft coverage. And Indiana, Iowa was a good example of that. There's some draft guys I saw you know, blah, 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 it was worth my time. But a lot of that was more, we might see the Big Ten champion come out of whoever wins this series. So that was that was that sort of prong. Then there's college games I'll go to just to see one player once. Uh, you know, I went and saw Ohio State play Minnesota, basically just to see Isaiah Coupe and Cade Kern. Uh, went down to Pittsburgh for a day because Jack Hurley from Virginia Tech was coming into play just to see him. So it's it's draft focused in a lot of ways, um, especially on the high school side too. I'll be going to to big matchups like tomorrow night, for example. St. Mary's is coming down to Canton to play Walsh Jesuit, so big kind of cross border battle, whatever. I'm gonna go see that, obviously. Uh, and then it's kind of maybe go see some dudes about that I'm thinking about maybe pushing for a national invite um some some juniors in high school who are, who are maybe on, went through a big jump over the course of the winter and we need to get eyes on them there's that it's like there's so many different motivations for where i might be in a given place on a given day um so i wish i could like sum it up more succinctly for you but it's like i'm gonna go to a game tomorrow for pghs like there's maybe kind of one draft guy who's going to be playing one or two so it's not really for the draft but it's for It's a huge high school matchup. And then this like I said, this past weekend, I was in Bloomington for college, but on the way in between, I went to two draft things and, you know, so it's, it's very wide ranging.
0: Yeah. Okay. So on the JUCO side, you know, take us through some of those. I mean, that big time tournament where the top 16 teams are playing. I'm sure. I mean, there's draft guys there, guys who are committed to power five programs across the country with you, you know, seeing the JUCO season so far, you know, what do you expect and how the JUCO season to, to play out and just some of those names that you've been looking for throughout the, throughout all these different JUCO programs that you've seen?
1: Yeah. I, we started the season with central Arizona at number one in our top 25. They are our number one right now. Um, Central Florida was number one in between those two points for about a month. I think those are the two best teams in JUCO. Uh, we'll see if if it plays out that way in the playoffs. Um, a little bit more Midwest flavor, Lansing in Michigan is playing really well. Uh, Heartland in Illinois is playing really, really well. Um, you know, I, Iowa Western is, is one of the top five or six teams right now in the country, as they are any year um saw a bunch of good programs to start the season in panama city beach our number one juco prospect in the country is christian oppor uh, he's from wisconsin he's a left-handed pitcher at gulf coast state he was unbelievable in panama city beach was 94 98 for five innings with 10 punch outs in one walk or whatever just explosive and easy and loose and whippy and left-handed and uh felt good about that because we named him number one before that happened and it's always nice to be uh, uh validated in that way but It was fun, man. It's always fun. That's one of my favorite trips of the year. It's tons of scouts. Every recruiting coordinator in the country is watching via PGTV. So my phone is just blowing up asking for video and I'm like, just turn the TV on. (laughs) Um, You know, but (laughs) so the Juco stuff is something I'm really passionate about. It it was uh, handed to me somewhat unwillingly back in the day. I I really wanted to take over the draft coverage when the guy who'd been doing it uh, took a job with a team and our editor at the time said, sure, man, you can have the draft, but you have to do JUCO too. And I said, what the, what's the, what the hell is JUCO? Um, so it's grown from that to like, a, just kind of, like I said, man, I, I brought this up a couple times, really immersed myself in it and uh, made some contacts have kind of grown it a little bit each year. And, and I'm, I'm proud of what it's spawned in a lot of ways. Um, the JUCO coverage that you see from multiple different organizations or publications or whatever. And then I take, take some pride in in kind of having been the first guy to do that you know if you want to put it that way I don't like to I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back but that wasn't the thing that was happening when I started doing it so uh, really it's cool because Juco is an awesome level and I'm an avid Juco route defender Uh, I'm a Juco route ally and I will speak positively on it to anybody who asks for any reason and those kids and players and teams and coaches deserve a spotlight, and so the the proliferation of covering it as media, I, I just couldn't be more stoked about it. I'm, I'm keeping. I hope it keeps expanding.
0: Yeah. All right. So down to my final baseball segment here on the JKR podcast for you. Cold weather bats. You know, I've seen that consistently in the past. I don't know, probably a year or so. I can't remember when when you guys first came out, but I've been seeing you guys around a lot, I saw the, the player draft that you guys did. Obviously, me being a baseball podcast, I follow other baseball podcasts to, you know, maybe get some ideas or see what everybody else is going around just to, you know, stay up with the competition. But take us through, you know, where that idea came about for the Cold Weather Bats podcast. I know you have a co-host as well. So maybe where you met him, where exactly this all came together, just take us through Cold Weather Bats.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, my co-host is Brandon Justice. He's a high school baseball coach in Michigan. Uh, we've been buddies for, you know, several years, kind of met on Twitter, you know, as these things go, but we're from the same area in Michigan. So bonded over that immediately. Um, man, honestly, what what happened was coming out of COVID in 2020, we practiced for three or four days and then the world got, the, the rug got pulled out from under everybody. So heading into the 2021 season, it was like December, 2020. Brandon called me and was like, Hey man, like, would you ever want to do a podcast about like high school baseball in Michigan? It's like, like, really? And then we, so that's literally all it was. Like, that's the origin story of weather Bats. So it's Brandon's idea. Uh, you know, I've had a hand in the execution of it, obviously, but it was Brandon's idea. And it has grown from us stumbling our way through interviewing a couple coaches and not really sure what to ask or what people would care about to us ranking high school teams in the state of Michigan uh every week we call it the super 25 it kind of has been maybe the thing people know us most for um the coaches association in the state of michigan wants to use is using it as their media poll when they do when they do their weekly coaches polls whatever so that's been a cool thing um player interviews coaches interviews i'm I'm sure you do a lot of the same stuff it's a we, we talk about High school baseball in the state of Michigan, man. High school baseball and high school baseball players. Uh, we don't really touch on travel ball, which is a cool thing because so much of my life is travel ball. Um, so just kind of talking about specifically like school on school. And when we started it, I was still coaching at St. Mary's. And then we went on a run that year and, and won another state title. And it was cool to kind of bring that to the forefront and branding coaches too. So him doing that and, and um, Speaking about it from different perspectives, like from a scout's perspective, from a fan's perspective, from a coach's perspective, having parents on even uh, the ones who won't yell um, (laughs) to to talk about things, too, from their perspective and and agents and and whatever. And um, trying to to peel back the curtain on some things uh, from a recruitment perspective, kind of the the secrets of recruiting. And here's a hint, kids, the secrets of recruiting is to be really good at the sport. Um, You will not have to worry about being recruited if you're super good at baseball. So anyways, uh, it's like, it's been fun, man. You talk about the player draft. That's an episode we we did a couple of years ago, just like off the cuff. My favorite podcast is all fantasy, everything, which is a comedy podcast where they fantasy draft random pop culture things. So I thought, huh, what if we fantasy drafted teams of Michigan high school baseball players? And then fast forward a couple of years this year, we literally did a live show. Like we had a full broadcast of it at, you know via multi camera with uh, with off to the side like sideline reporters and analysis and we did it at a at a baseball facility in metro detroit and we had a bunch of the players there and we had like commissioner jerseys holding up and taking pictures like we did this really cool thing that was came about by just like a shower thought you know <laughs> and like it, so it, it was it was really cool it's it's grown um, I don't, I don't know what to think as far as like what's next for it. I like, don't want it to become a travel baseball team. I like, don't want it to be, I think I like it existing um, in sort of the innocent way that it does, but uh, any, any growth is welcome. I I like every year there's a new generation of of guys who might give a shit to listen. And so it's been growing steadily as a result of that. And I'm proud of it. And Brandon and I have a lot of fun with it and we're going to record our next episode tonight. Mm
0: -hmm. So (laughs) <laughs> there we go. So, with, so, you know, with you guys going through this past, you know, two and a half, three years or so, you know, how have those initial goals that initial vision for cold weather bats, how has that maybe changed, you know, as you guys continuously grow and continuously mm-hmm. get more listeners, how have those goals and how has that vision kind of changed here this past two and a half, three years? Um,
1: The growth has allowed us to try more out of nowhere stuff. Like I don't, I don't know this to be a fact. I haven't researched it, but I'm making an educated guess. I don't know if anybody's ever done a live fantasy draft of high school baseball players via show with the players there. I don't know if that's ever happened before. so I, the the growth has allowed us to like do stupid shit like that. like if you want to put it that way, you know, um, it's been it's been cool to see how like the the subculture of talking shit about high school baseball is you get parents chirping back and forth at each other out based off a cold weather bats tweet. Like I, you know, it's, it should be like that. It should be cooler. Like it should be as popular as football is like, you know, like there's people on Twitter who would literally die for the Michigan Wolverines. Like, while I don't recommend that. I would, it's cool when you see that sort of rivalry or passion come out from the high school baseball side too. So, so I enjoy, I wouldn't call us inflammatory, but we, we have opinions and we, uh, back them up and, and we welcome disagreements. And, and it's just been, uh, I enjoy the, uh, the report that the podcast creates
0: okay all right so one final question here on cold weather bats and this is going to be a loaded question here for you but with you having all those different relationships knowing michigan high school baseball inside and out you know interviewing all these different types of guys coaches players and beyond that within michigan high school you know take us through michigan high school baseball this spring some names to be on the lookout for um i know you all of our servers going to texas a couple other guys with some draft interests as well but just take us through michigan high school baseball this spring
1: yeah, it's, uh, it's another really strong year in terms of depth. I think uh, the 2023 class has 40-plus D1 commits in it, like 40-plus Power 5, like 50-plus D1. It's a huge number from one class of kids in the state of Michigan. So uh, that has made the depth and the parity really, really strong. Um, I think St. Mary's is the best team again, but it's not as slam dunk as it was. They lost so much off of last year's team, not the least of which Brock Porter and – Schubart and Irish and, and Jack Crichton and Jake Dresselhaus, like Kieran, Co- like all these guys. So I think they're still really good. I don't think that they are um, world beaters necessarily anymore. I think Brother Rice in the Catholic League is also really, really good. They have a ton of D1 talent on that team. Um, Fredo Velasquez is going to Michigan. Uh, you know, uh, Jason Oliver from St. Mary's going to Indiana is a good example of that. He's a uh, one of the top players in the state. I saw Oliver service last Thursday. I saw him hit a tank. Uh, I think it was the first pitch he's seen in this high school in this high school baseball season. And he went about 400 foot out to left center field at St. Mary's. Um, and then the very next inning, I saw Jason Oliver hit one just a little bit further. Um, and it was for four runs. So Service hit a three-run bomb, top one. Jason hit a grand slam, bottom one. That was a fun way to start that one in the longest first inning of the spring so far. Um, I think North feels really, really good. Dante Norrie is one of the top players in the country in 2025. He goes there. He's committed to Mississippi state. Um, A guy who I think this is an Indiana based podcast. There's probably some similarities between Norrie and Max Clark. They're both left-handed hitting center fielders who are jacked and have power and can really run and and just are really good players in general. And there's, there's some similarities there. And it's uh, you know, those three, I think Bay City, John Glenn's another school. If you want to start talking about a little bit more outside of Metro Detroit, Grand Rapids Christian in the southwest corner of the state, closer to Indiana, Buchanan is a good team, a smaller school. Um, but, yeah, man, I think it's, it's deep. It's deep this year. We'll see next year, though, because when you graduate 50, 60 T1 guys from a state of a state high school baseball, yeah. whatever, like I, we'll see how it goes. But this year is really fun so far.
0: Okay. All right. So last question here for you, you know, as you look forward into the future, whether that's for, you know, your job with perfect game, cold weather bats as well, you know, what is that what are some of those goals and some of that vision you have next, you know, 2024, 2025, 2026 and beyond, you know, what are some of those goals? What's that vision kind of look like? Um. I mean, I'm
1: enjoying the kind of seeing baseball continue to take on a more national focus in the, in the Midwest States. Uh, I think that that is, Something that, that I have a little bit of a hand in, but that also goes with really good player dev facilities that are making players better up here, that they show out in the summer in the South and like are better than those guys. Like that's a huge part of it. And, and like your podcast or my podcast or whoever, the media of it all, like I enjoy watching that. That's something that I have, you know, short and long term goals for uh, when it comes to personal fulfillment as well as career aspirations. But um, within PG, I, I'm really enjoying what I do now. i'm enjoying the where we are with it i'm enjoying the the growth of perfect game and and the byproducts of that and the growth into into the midwest in general like our our push into ohio and indiana and michigan more and more and more every year and um that's professional talk but yeah man i just i i'm looking forward to getting married in october i think that's number one if you want to put it that way
0: All right, well there, there we go. That, that's the final question here for you on the J Care podcast. Um, you know, really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, I, like I said, I saw you. I saw you post that tweet there on Friday night. I'm like, shoot, I'm here. I'm like, I gotta find this guy. I'm looking. <laughs> I'm like the guy, the guy behind the radar guns. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's him.
1: The guy with um, the PG backpack always. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know,
0: I was talking. Uh, Braden Thomas was there. You know, 2024 draft guy. And I'm talking. To him, I was like, shoot, I, th- I think that's the guy. Like, I kept showing him pictures. I'm like, you know, I think that's I think that's Sakowski from Perfect Game, but I can't tell. Um, and you, you walk up right behind me right after I talked to Samarja, and you know, there we go. My Perfect. Dinner, got you on the podcast, and yeah. like I said, just thanks for coming on the show. You know, Absolutely. best of luck as you continue on with Perfect Game, continue on with cold weather bats. Like I said, big fan of cold weather bats. Haven't listened to too many episodes, but you know, enough to you know get get a feel on how you guys go about things. Um, so again, just, just thanks for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me on, dude. Anytime, I had a lot of fun.